Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast. My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF21 Sports. Everything sports betting, fantasy football, mock drafts, general sports socks. That's where I am, boys and girls. On Instagram at ETOF21 Sports underscore everything sports betting. Post my sports betting results there, free plays. If you guys are interested in the sports betting service, please, that is where you want to contact me for. My five things from yesterday, my daily takes, positional rankings, mock draft, at etoff 21 sports underscore fantasy, and for free horse betting wagers, loaded day-to-day. I meant to put some stuff on it yesterday. I'll get that in a second. At etoff 21 sports underscore horse underscore racing for the horse wagers. I bet today, pick fives. Win bets, they'll be on their loaded car today from Golden Gate. And for those who don't know, Golden Gate by far is my best track. So where was I yesterday? Well, the housing market is crazy. Your boy put in an offer and it was accepted. So I was dealing with inspe- setting up an inspection, real estate attorney, realtor, all that fun and fucking stuff. So that's why I wasn't able to post any horse racing stuff yesterday. So that's where I was yesterday. So that's exciting. I really don't know how that's going to affect the podcast schedule. In non-NFL weeks, we're going to be only a one-day-a-week show just because I really don't want to be recording stuff when I don't bring value. Uh, Next week, however, I believe we're going to go two weeks just because of the draft, and I can bitch and moan about who people drafted and what I think about and everything. So that's kind of... Yeah, I'll keep you guys in the loop. Schedule may change for a week or two just because I'm moving. Um, Next week, though, we'll definitely have a podcast out Saturday, a podcast out Sunday, talking about fantasy football implications for the draft, value picks for the draft in terms of actual football. Stuff like that will be a good show. And then our normal Saturday show when Brandon and I talk NASCAR and I talk about the week in sports and everything. So that's kind of moving forward that's how it's going to be going for those of you that have asked thank you to my boy Gino had me on I'm gonna be on there every week talking NBA I could talk to Gino forever about sports basketball whatever thank you Gino for having me on always enjoy it so now let's hop into the show you know great show today I'll be talking about the Ravens trade I'm gonna give out some of my three bets not all my bets but three bets I am I've already have locked in for the UFC card this evening of course brandon's gonna come on him and i are gonna talk nascar guys he gave out a 40 to 1 winner last week 40 to 1 winner for free on this podcast so if you guys aren't listening i have no idea why i'm gonna talk a little nba give some crazy nfl thoughts and talk about the whole westbrook and KD situation actually you know what let's that's that's where we're gonna talk we're gonna we're gonna start with some nba But first of all, I want to talk about this Westbrook KD thing. So this thing is always funny to me. People saying that they know what the person was saying. Here's a tip of advice. Certain people have tells, and you can kind of say like what they mean. But honestly, no one knows what Durant was thinking or what was going through his head or the day he was having or anything when that podcast came out when he didn't name the top five players he played with. And... He paused, thought about everybody. And he said, Serge Ibaka. He said, Serge Ibaka over Draymond Green. Did he forget about Draymond Green? Did he forget about Igo Iguodala? I, 
that people are just making this out to be something that it's not. And it cracks me the fuck up. You see all these people that claim to be, oh, sports expert. And they have these huge followings. And then you try to dialect with them. And their responses back, are you just like, what? Like one person, I'm not going to say who it is. They posted something. I was like, well, if you watch the whole video, the guy said, what about Westbrook? And the guy goes, oh, yeah, Westbrook. I forgot it. Durant was like, oh, yeah, Westbrook. I forgot about him. He's definitely in the top five. And that's what I posted. And they came back and said, oh, he was throwing shade. Like, he didn't know what he was doing. How the hell do you know what the fuck he was thinking? Are you talking to him? Are you in his mind? No one knows. People just post this stuff for clickbait and likes. And that's the funny thing that it is to me. They edited kit, clips to get click to get clicks and likes. And that's what people do. And it cracks me the fuck up. That's why I responded to them. And they came back, well, I'm from OKC and I'm a big OKC fan. So I know there's no love. I know really well about the love loss between KD and Westbrook. How? Because you're a fucking fan? Like, I don't know about it. I have this podcast I talk about NBA, go on multiple other people's podcasts, go on NBA. And I've been on the radio talking about NBA. Like, I like like they're they're telling me like I'm unaware like KD and Westbrook have any fucking history against each other. It dude, so right there that person I had my suspicions, they knew fucking nothing and it was fucking confirmed. That person knows nothing. And you guys just need to read the stuff and kind of piece stuff together. Are these original thoughts or these cut and paste thoughts that they're copying from other people? And when you try to have a dialect with them, they just kind of just give these answers and you're scratching your fucking head. And that's what this person had. But I'm not here to like talk shit and about this person because in my mind, they're a fucking hack. But anyway... Back to the NBA. I mean, that run Steph had was insane. What he was doing, 11 straight games over the 33 points, tying, breaking the Kobe and Michael record. He's just playing at a great level. And it's funny because they're running the same set every single time. Draymond goes down, picks Looney. Looney comes up, picks who's ever guarding Steph to create the switch, and Steph does his stuff. Like, that. that is the play that the Warriors, that the Warriors do over and over and over and over again. And the 76ers were doing nothing, absolutely motherfucking nothing in that game earlier in the week to stop it. And you're just like, what the fuck are they doing? I mean, it it just really blew my mind. There was no adjustments to that at all. And speaking of the 76ers, this is my issue with the 76ers. Embiid is a guy that you want playing inside of 18. I don't want Embiid jacking threes. Granted, he can make him, but I don't want Embiid jacking threes. When it's in a pressure situation, you need a go-to guy on the wing that can dribble, drive, make a play. Who is that going to be for the 76ers? Tobias Harris, it can't be him. I have zero faith in him. If it's Ben Simmons, you just sag off and make him take a jump shot. You're not worried about him shooting where you have to be up in his face. And if it's Embiid, I'll do the same thing. I'll sag off of him. So in the close games, that's what I'm really worried about, the 76ers game. Who's going to be the closer? Because I really don't think they have one, and I think that's what's missing. And what have they done? Like, honestly, what exactly has the 76ers team done? They haven't got past the second round of the playoffs. This is the blueprint for tanking and acquiring assets and picks. 
And what have they done? Nothing. They have gone to the second round of the playoffs, and that's it. So all these teams, Thunder, Rockets, that are just tanking, that are trying to like get the highest picks as possible, I mean, is that really the best way? Yeah, you need to get a talent, but there's other ways to build the team. You know, hit on a couple pieces, and they're going to have to be great pieces, like a good player. Like R.J. Barrett's a good player. Lonzo Ball is a good player. Granted, I'll get into the Pelicans later. But this thing where you have to tank and get top pick after top pick, 76ers are a poster child for it, and their best playoff performance has been in the second round. So I would kind of pump the brakes on that. Because, I mean, you got teams. Minnesota's another one of them. I mean, granted, I understand that this draft class is loaded, but as a Pistons fan, I'd rather see what the Pistons are doing. You have the young guys coming in, competing, playing hard. Because here's the thing. Winning is taught. Losing is taught. If you get used to losing game after game after game after game, that builds the habit of losing. And I'm a person, I'm a coach. I work with kids. I know that that is a fact. If you build winning, then that becomes a habit. And people get used to that. So with these young players, you don't want to constantly be losing and tanking and trying to get assets because the habit of losing starts, and that's the worst thing that a young player can have. Like I said, I'd much rather have what the Pistons have where you get the young players playing three people on the floor at once and they play hard and compete. That's what I like to see. I really like what this Pistons team is going. And if you can add another piece, uh, Mobley from USC, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Suggs, any one of those guys, just a piece and just keep going in the right direction. I would love that. I would really love that. And if they don't get it, they don't get it. But they're building the right culture right now in Detroit, and that's good to see. In terms of Houston, Houston, I mean, they're awful right now. And when you think about it, they flipped Harden for basically Avery Brown and Miles Leonard. It just blows my mind. Why didn't they just flip him for Levert and Allen? I'd much rather have that. And that brings me to the Jarrett, not the Jarrett, the James Harden trade. You get these people on Instagram that they claim to be, oh, I'm an NFL draft insider. Oh, I'm an NBA insider. And their profile pictures are them hoisted up in a thong with their ass in the air. And this is a profession. This is a business. Okay? There are very qualified people on here. And they keep it a business, and they don't post pictures of them in scangly class outfits, tits hanging out, ass hanging out, saying they're an insider. And one of these quote-unquote insiders, she was like, oh, they don't want Harden. Harden would be awful on this team. He would be a bad effect for everybody. Really? James Harden. James Harden, who carried that Houston team. And look what he's doing for the Nets when he played. He kept that team afloat when everyone was out. He would have been a bad influence. And how it would have been a mistake to trade Tyler Hero for him. Tyler Hero, who's now dating an Instagram model, not working as hard, has the cereal. And she's the insider talking to people inside the Heat organization. You have one person who's has at her Twitter, she has her, like, it looks like she's trying to model. And she said, oh, I'm an NFL draft insider. And, like, that's fine. They're using sex to sell. I get it. They're trying to make money. I fucking understand. I just feel bad for guys that actually listen to this shit and pay for this shit because they're just using their sex appeal and they know fucking nothing. But let's, 
let's rewind to the NBA stuff. Also in the NBA, Warrior, not the not the Warriors, excuse me, the Bucks are playing better. I like this Bucks team. I like this Bucks team a lot. I think right now with the NBA and everything, how it's set up for the playoffs, I think this team is going to come out. I mean, the defense they play with Holiday, Giannis, P.J. Tucker, Middleton, who's an underrated defender, Bobby Portis, and Divinchenko, that's going to be a tough little team. And the main thing is, is now, since they have Holiday, you can put Holiday on the top of the key, put Middleton on a wing, put Giannis down below, or do the pick and roll with Giannis and uh, Holiday. I, this team is such an under-the-radar team right now. And yeah, I know they lost five in a row. I really don't care. Yeah, I know Giannis is at playoff struggles. I really don't care. You took the best defensive point guard, one of the best defensive wing guys in P.J. Tucker, who can be in a corner and not open, hit an open shot, and you put it on this team. And they are so under the fucking radar. It is fucking hilarious to me. I'm going to put a future in on them. I'll probably find them probably at 12 to 1 or so. But yeah, I mean, I'm totally looking forward to cashing that future. And hopefully, because I do have season tickets to the Bucks eventually. I did before COVID hit to celebrating an NBA title. So that was kind of it for my thoughts on the NBA. You know, I know AD's coming back, LeBron's coming back. And it's kind of funny, like the Lakers were under such scrutiny for missing those guys. Those guys did great. They played defense, 500 record, right where they're going to be. And I'll be honest, they probably don't want to move up to the third spot. They want to stay in that fourth, fifth and play a Denver team that's not going to have Murray. And I said earlier, guys, you got to remember, not having that wing player that can drive to the hoop and create is huge. And they're losing that with Murray. And then the splits when Joker's on the court versus not on the court night and day, you get that guy in foul trouble. I, If I'm the Lakers, I want to hold ground, get LeBron healthy, AD healthy, play him the 15 minutes a game like they've been doing, get that fourth, fifth, and just duke it out. And then you'll have Utah in the second round. Or the or Warriors or a Mavericks team. So Lakers are in a great spot. Clippers, if... Leonard was 100% healthy. I'd really like where they are. But, yeah, in terms of NBA futures, I'll probably lock in the Bucks. Now, yesterday in the NFL, there was a big trade made between the Ravens and the Chiefs. So, basically, the Chiefs traded this year's first rounder, this year's third rounder, this year's fourth rounder, and a fifth rounder next year to the Ravens for Orlando Brown, a second round this year, and a six-round pick next year. Okay, so let's look into this trade. A couple things. Number one, Orlando Brown tweeted out that he is a left tackle and he wants to play left tackle, but they're going to have Ronnie Staley play left tackle and have Orlando Brown play right tackle. So he demanded a trade because he could not be in the left tackle position. So he wanted out of Baltimore. And that's Baltimore's decision. Baltimore wants to go with Stanley because they think Stanley's better than Brown. Hey, who am I to question their system? With the history of of success that they have had of picking players. But letting a 24-year-old walk? Ugh, I mean, you got a lot of picks back. But letting him walk? Oh, God. I, I don't know if I would have done that. I really don't know. Because anyone that knows me knows I love offensive line play. Football is one in the trenches, having to be offensive line and defensive line. And letting a budding star who's 24-year-old, 24, walk isn't really big in my eyes now granted you, they do have a two first round picks now where they can get an edge rusher they can get a wide receiver 
that's good. That's going to help them a lot. But I think they're going to feel the effects of losing Brown and Alejandro Villanueva being his replacement. Because I don't think Villanueva is as good as Orlando Brown. Now, let's look at it from the Chiefs' perspective. What this move tells me is that the Chiefs thought Brown was going to be better than any offensive lineman on the board at that time. Because let's think about it. Sewell, gone. Slater, gone. The kid, Darsoff from Vatek, gone. So basically, I mean, you're going to have Tucker on the board, maybe the kid from Oklahoma State, Brown, who I'm not that high on. So do you want one of those on the rookie contract, or do you want to have Brown, who you're going to have to franchise, and then try to sign long-term? Because if you he's on his fifth-year option right now, so you can't give up that many assets unless you're going to sign him long-term. And you guys saw in the Super Bowl how bad the offensive line played when they were missing their two tackles, and Mahomes was running for his life. So that move tells me that they'd rather have a franchise tackle and they're willing to give up assets to get him and they didn't value anyone that was going to be on the board when they picked late in the first round. That's all this move tells me that what the Chiefs are doing. And it's going to be an improved offensive line. Give him a home some time, but Long hasn't been playing. Joe Tooney is going to be at left guard. He's going to be a little older, let's say. Let's use that term older. So is Kansas City's line better than last year? Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Do they have some questions? That Most definitely. Most definitely. But for KC to go in there, and granted, they gave up a lot of draft capital, to get a 24-year-old that wants to play left tackle, that's a good left tackle, and can protect Mahomes' blind side is huge. And the important thing to remember about draft picks is everyone always gets a hard-on about draft picks. And the funny thing is, is the actual draft pick has a bigger value before it's actually used for a draft pick. So that's the thing that is just crazy to me. Like, that first-round pick, who knows? It could be a buster and that the Ravens picked. And the percentages are it's going to be a buster because that, that many first-round picks hit. And I said this when Sterling and I talked about the NFL draft. This year, there's going to be so many busts in the first round because nope. All the pro days were all under the students and the university's supervision. There's over 100, 100 people that submitted a 4440. There's no way. There's no combine. There's no interview process. So you have these kids that are going to be drafting just because they have a better PR program against kids from smaller schools that don't have the PR program, that can't go in the interview process and weigh you. One of the big things I was against Sam Darnold is because he I heard an interview from him, and he was awful. And I'm like, this is the guy that's going to be the franchise quarterback? There's no way. Next, let's move on. So there's going to be some busters in this draft class. And props to the Chiefs. They went out. They traded. They got a book and tackle to protect Mahomes' blind side for the next 10 years. And you have to give up that much? That's fine. Mahomes is your asset. And if he gets hurt, your franchise is done. So you need to protect it. So this is a home run. For the Chiefs. In terms of the Ravens, I don't know. I Like, who do they draft? I have no idea. And how are these guys going to materialize out? You don't know. And everyone's so quick to, like, judge a draft. Oh, I give this team an A. I give them an A. Everyone gets an A or a B. 
I just give, oh, you know what? It's interesting. We'll see how it turns out. This is this is the high end. This is the low end. High end, Chiefs got someone that's going to protect Mahomes' blind side for years to come. Low end, the guy walks because they can't figure out a contract extension. If that if that's the case, it's a devastating because you gave up too many assets. High end, protects Mahomes for 10 years, home run. For the Ravens, if you get one player that can come on the field and contribute, great, great trade. If you don't, you know, brutal trade. <laughs> like, that's all it comes down to. So it's really hard to trade and grade and, like, who's good, who's bad, and who won this who won this trade. Big UFC card tonight, UFC 261. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be giving out three plays for the main card. I'm not going to be one of those guys that gives out plays for the undercard. No, no, no. We're going to three main fights, and we're taking some prices. We're taking some dogs. UFC ROI for the year is only 5.6 plus U, positive ROI, you know, a couple fights each card, that's about it, but I do like this card a lot. First fight, we're going Shevchenko by decision. After watching Rosa's fight with Andrade, I have all the confidence in the world Shevchenko is just going to be able to outwork and dominate have it be, you know, the counter striking and then do the takedowns, but I just don't think she's going to be able to finish Andrade. I think it's just going to be outstriking, counter striking takedowns from Sabachenko, grinds out a dominant victory via decision. Next one, and it, oh my God, it is a price. We're going Rose Decision 500. She's fought similar opponents, and I really think the key to this fight is going to be her mo- movement. So Zhang can't pick her off. I think Rose is going to be moving north, south, east, west, be able to get in and get out and just be able to outwork Zhang and just outpoint her. She's not going to be able to outfinish her. And I just don't think Zhang's going to be able to catch her with anything. So because of that, I see value at the plus 500. So I'm definitely going to lock in Rose plus 500. Main event time. Now, anyone that knows me knows I am a Jorge Masvidal Stain. I love this guy. Um, so I'm taking him. I really only see his... Now, granted, he is plus 30. I only really only see his path to victory to win is via TKO or KO. That on FanDuel is plus 440. So I'm going to I'm, I'm go that. I'm going to go him winning by plus 440. That is his only chance. He's not going to submit him. He's not going to all work him over five. He's going to catch him, time it perfectly. Guys, we have to remember the last time that these guys fought... Jorge took this on short notice. He took this on short notice, flew across the country, and this motherfucker made weight. I mean, now he's going in and with a full training camp and a proper weight cutting plan. This guy, this fight is going to look completely different. Completely different. And also, I think Usman's body is going to f- start failing him. And I think this is the fight it's going to start failing. I think he's going to hang back try to work, try to box, and that's where Jorge is at is dangerous, and he's going to be able to catch him. Plus 440 TKO locked in. So those are my three bets for the main card on here, given out for free. For free. So now let's jump in to the most popular aspect of the show. Brandon, off the post, Boston Sports, comes on, gives out free motherfucking winners. He's giving out Bell, giving out Logano, Giving out Bowman. All big prices. So let's welcome Brandon from Off the Post Boston Sports to the show. Brandon, how you doing, my man? 
Doing good. How about yourself? Well, dude, um, I'm a little kicking myself in the ass because I didn't bet Bowman 40 to 1 like somebody on this podcast last week said. Not sure who you're talking about, but uh, I'm not going to lie. I have been gloating about that all week, so I'm hoping to be able to back it up with another long shot this week and uh, keep the streak going. I mean, it's pretty remarkable when you think about it because you had Bell, what was Bell, like 30, 60 to 1? Yep. Um, you said Logano at Bristol. Um, yep. Bowman. I'm trying to think who else did you have. I know you had one more. That I'm like space. Bowman, Bell. I, I think that's it. I'd love to say a fourth, but uh, I think I think we're three for eight right now. And I mean, dude, when you're hitting when you're hitting picks that are double digit odds ROI, I mean, you can't really really complain. I mean, you're you've been great. You're handing out winners, so I hope everyone that is listening is following and playing these winners that are being handed out. Now we have a real interesting race course this week talladega what makes talladega so difficult to bet it's because everybody is in a line it's just like a train and then at some point whether it's the first five laps in the race or the last five half the field gets taken out because somebody moves a little bit out a little bit out of line the air turns them somebody hits them whatever it is so when it comes into betting strategy at a track like talladega you are going to be throwing dots or darts. There's uh, there's no strategy to it. There's no specific how guys have done at this track, unless you're a Dale Earnhardt or Dale Earnhardt Jr., which neither one of them race anymore. Um, it's throwing darts. So when we get into these picks, you guys are going to hear us talk more about higher odd guys because your ROI here is so, so risky. And which brings me to a thing, your card, I mean, my card's three deep, that's it, I'm not doing any head-to-heads, I mean, I really, 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 really want to do, like, a top ten bet on um, Daniel Suarez, but then I looked at the odds, are only plus 250, I'm not going to put plus 250 on Suarez 10 to 1, not to finish top ten, excuse me, that's just too low of an ROI point for me. No, and it's hard with Daniel, too, being a single-car team because at a track like Talladega, you have to have teammates. You have to be able to work together. And since he is a single car, don't know how much help he's going to get from others. And if you are stuck in the back with 10, 11 to go, if a wreck doesn't happen, you're screwed. That happened. We'll get into it later, but that happened to me on my road to Pro Thursday. I got stuck in the back, nowhere to go. So I don't like Suarez for a top 10 because the ROI is just not there. But if you're looking to throw throw some minimal money on him just to have a car out there, he's 77 to 1. And like you put up, he has been running better. So, I mean, at Talladega, anything can happen. Um, The first guy I locked in, you sent me earlier in the week, was Chase uh, Elliott. I locked him in. I was actually able to find 13 to 1. Why don't you tell everyone why you like uh, Chase this week? Guys, you know, I try not to bet with my heart ever. Um, that is my go-to driver. Um, he has been consistently good at Talladega. Um, he, he's one of the few times. Um, Hendrick Motorsports is always dominant. So if you're looking for any, Alex Bowman's going to be in the running. William Byron's going to be in the running. Chase will be Larson. The Hendrick power has always been good at super speedways. Um, Chase has ran well here. Uh, now he's 
nine plus nine twenty five. So the ROI is still there for a good driver that will be in the run. But uh, once again, when you're betting on a single digit like this, you are risking it because he could be part of a wreck that he has no part in at all. So I do like him as well. Um, I locked in the other guy. I locked in was. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse. I knocked him in at uh, nineteen to one. Stenhouse on a super speedway, to me, is a no-brainer. I think he's like, when it comes to side drafting, he's one of the top five in my eyes. Insanely at side drafting, his average finish at Talladega thirteen point three, thirteen point six seven, three top fives. I found him at nineteen to one. I mean, anything under fifteen to one, I wouldn't play him. But at nineteen to one, I see some value on Ricky. Yeah, no, Ricky's always in the hunt at these tracks. He's aggressive, and that gets him to the front. Unfortunately, he's been one of those guys that's wrong place, wrong time on way too many occasions. But uh, I like that pick. Um, Eric Almarola is another one that I've really got my eye on at 15-1. to 1. He's been leading these races. He's led Daytona, um, and he's just got caught up in stuff. Um, so he knows how to drive at super speedways. He has been successful besides being caught up in something. So I do like Al Marola at 15 to 1. And my dark horse this week, we're going back to another 44 to 1 odds right now. Eric Jones Ooh. for Richard Petty Motorsports. Okay. What? Um, Why do you like EJ? If there's going to be a track that he's going to be able to win at to be able to get into the playoffs, it's going to be a super speedway. He hasn't shown much throughout the season. Um, Petty Motorsports has never been bad at super speedways. So uh, I think if there's going to be a breakout week and a way for him to get into the playoffs, he's going to have to use it this week. So I see him being very aggressive and trying to get to the front and staying up there. My dark horse, I'm going with Chris Buescher, 50 to one at Talladega average finish 18, one top 10. He's another guy that just always seems to do decent at these super speedways. And at 50 to one, I see some great value on him. Um, I need to ask you though, I was big on Kyle last week, Kyle Bush and Kevin Harvick. Obviously Harvick's tire busted that kind of screwed him. Bush, not, uh, Kyle Bush was running good, but then he took that, uh, it was a weird pit, pit stop. It was like, he didn't think he was going to go. Then his crew chief must've told him to go too yep. fast, got pit penalty. Both of them were running good until some unforeseen circumstances. Kevin Harvick's at 20 to 1, and he's greatly underachieved this year, and we talked about it in detail why last week. I mean, is there any value at him, or are we just at the point, hey, you're on the bench till you show me something? No, I uh, I like both those, and I won't go back on what I said at the beginning of the year. Anytime you can grab somebody, Harvick, uh, you grab Chase earlier in the week, uh, Kyle Busch, anytime you can grab a key guy like that, that is double numbers. You absolutely do it. You don't you don't unload the bank on them solely because it's Talladega, but you definitely. I, I'm big. I'm not looking for an outstanding, unbelievable payday when it comes to Talladega. So what I like to do is kind of sprinkle my money amongst multiple drivers with high odds to be able to have a plus profit. Now, whether that plus profit be $100 or 1000 any type of win at Talladega to load up your bankroll to be able to start betting 
later in the week on other sports is really big for me. That, that's just the way I take Talladega. I mean, I look at it like wins a win. I mean, when I bet, I don't care if I come ahead point oh oh one unit on the day. As long as I make money, I make money. And that's kind of like the goal when you're a gambler like you and I are. What about Kyle Larson? I mean, I'm looking at him right now, 20 to 1. Uh, he's got his wind under his belt. Um, he's got Hendrick Power. I Actually, I didn't even notice him at 20, 20 to 1 until you just said that. Um, I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> I mean, to your point, or what we were just talking about, and I'm just spitballing a number, rather than throwing $20 on this guy 20 to 1, I'd rather take $5 on him, $5 on Harvick, $5 on Kyle, $5 on Busher because now my ROI is still going to be pretty decent for e- for any of those that win and I'm not subject just to one driver. Yeah, you're spread you're spread it out. That's why it's important guys, you understand unit management. I mean, you got to understand how many units to put on a bet. And I I'm in a group chat and I share my bets in this group chat and this was last week and I put out I'm like these are the, these are the four bets I have, you know, and I very like half unit, half unit, half unit, one unit. So I was betting two and a half units on the race for where what was last week Martinsville, and this other guy comes out and he's got like twenty units, all these spread out, and he was like, oh, if so and so wins, I make money. I go, how man? I go, you got twenty units and you bet three units on like a unit and a half on Hamlin. And Hamlin was like plus 600. How are you going to be making money? You know what I mean? So you guys have to just make sure you do the math and understand how the math works when you're when you're risking units and so everything. To make, that, to make that math simple too, guys, if let's say you put uh, – how was I just going to do this? To your point, if, if you bet $20, if you have $20 and you put five – on three guys and then five on somebody like Hamlin who's six to one even if Hamlin wins you're still not making back the amount of money that you put in on the race so some people look at oh well I still won because I made back if you are in the red based off of Hamlin winning that's not a win you're still losing so whatever you do spread out make sure when you add all the spreading up out your lowest odd driver, if he wins, puts you back in the green. Oh, for sure, and that's the big thing. Like you have, that's why this money management thing is so important. If you guys have any questions on this, my DMs are open. I know Brandon's at Off the Post Boston Sports. His are open, and we'll be happy to kind of guide you guys through about you know how much unit wise to bet because each of us are a different size better. Each of us bet a different amount of money. Um, another guy that. Uh, to transition back to what we're talking about, guys, you mentioned uh, Willie Byron, twenty to one, right in the same pay grade as Harvick and Larson. What about him? Yeah, I mean, he's another guy. He has nothing to lose. He's got a win under his belt. Um, that's another reason I kind of like uh, I like Chase this week too, because if you think about it, all of his teammates have a win. Every single one of them. Bowman. Uh, Byron and Larson. He's the only Hendrick driver that does not have a win. 
I'm not saying that a driver is ever going to give up a win for their teammate to win. But prime example, Thursday night in my Road to Pro, I pushed my teammate the entire way. We had a deal that if it came down to me and him at the end of the race, I was going to stay locked to his bumper to get him the much-needed win that he needed. And these guys do that stuff in real life. They're not going to risk dumping their teammate for a win, so why not stay behind and push him to a win? And now I have all my teammates in the playoffs. And that's when you need your teammates in the playoffs, when it's, you know, you got to get those points, win or go home and everything. Um, what about Ryan Newman? He's historically done well at these types of speedways, 33-1. to 1. I like him in DraftKings because, because of his uh, position differential. Um, he is a dark horse. I'd love to see the man get a win. I think he's only got maybe one or two years left in, in racing, period. But uh, nothing points at him to where he, he's just – the bad luck is always on his side at all these super speedway races. And I know he says that he doesn't think much of the Daytona crash where he almost lost his life. But you can't tell me when he sits in these cars at super speedways that that doesn't flash a little bit here and there. And I almost think it, it – it, I don't want to say hinders his driving ability, but – I just with the bat until that bad luck's broken, I, I can't ride with him. And you bring up an interesting point that all of us always forget: these athletes, no matter what sport, they're human just like us. They have yes. emotions and everything. And when something like that happens, of course, it's going to like put a toll on someone. It would put a toll on anybody. So I could totally see that. And so in DraftKings, Newman's, you like the Newman. Um, what about Dylan? Austin? Yep. Man runs great at all of these. Um, there's something about him when it comes to uh, super speedways. He's always in the mix. There's something about that three car that's always been good at super speedways. Um, what are your odds on yours for his right now? For 30 right to now? 1. Yeah, I like it, guys. If you're going to start, if you're going to sprinkle out the money like we've talked about, I'd, at thirty to one, I like it. I like it a lot. It's twenty-eight to one on uh, Bovada, but either one of those I do like. And what? Lastly, what about Mister Twenty Three, Bubba Wallace? I mean, absolutely not. I want to tell you guys that me and you predicted that he was going to be out of a ride by the end of the season. They sat down with him the other day with Bubba and spoke to him and asked what how Michael Jordan has felt so far on the performance throughout this season. And he goes, I really haven't heard much from him or something to that extent, but he still cuts the checks. Michael came out about two days later, quote unquote, we do not cut checks to losers, end quote. That And it could turn it around. This could be the week that we sit here next Saturday and we're like, can you believe Bubba pulled that win off? It might be something that Michael's using for strategy to fire, fire his ass up. But I still, week after week, we're eight, nine weeks into this. I can't ride with a guy that hasn't performed at all, period, for any reason. I mean, my thing is this, is I look at it like two ways. A, 
nothing motivates people more than money. Anyone that's been following me for a long time knows one of the huge angles that I do in fantasy sports toward the end of the NFL season is when someone is playing for a contract incentive, that person is automatically in a DFS lineup. because Or season-long fantasy, someone's in a contract here. Nothing motivates people more than money. So that's a huge factor. So I could definitely see that. But there's this old saying that my dad taught me when I was younger to try to just keep, to try to, it taught me to shut up and deal with stuff. Winners win. They don't complain. Correct. And I just don't view Bubba as a winner because honestly, like what was the last race he won? That Xfinity race when he limped to the finals? Yeah. I mean, that was like what, three, four years ago? Yeah, and he does. He has had good finishes at Talladega and Daytona, so we, we can't steer away from that. But again, I mean, he may have help from Denny Hamlin at this track, but I, I'm sorry, I, I I can't risk it. I rather I rather sprinkle it somewhere else. Still, I would rather instead of betting on Bubba, this is how I would rather go to the bottom of the line. And I would throw money on Justin Haley, LaJoy, and Kaza Garla before I put money on Bubba Wallace. Yeah. Because, I mean, basically at that time, Talladega is the biggest lotto lotto ticket bet there is in auto racing. That in Daytona because of the course. So I'm not going to bet 28 to 1 and a guy that's never won a race before? Are you kidding me? You know what I mean? Like, at some point, you guys just have to sit back and say, is this really the odds? So, I don't know, man. Like, I'm in the same boat with you. I think he's gone. I think Cendric is probably in that ride at this time next year to start the season. So You've been saying that from day one. Now, we'll, I don't know what – we haven't talked this. I don't know what your strategy is. But I will tell you guys, I will steer away, and I will not bet one head-to-head this week. Oh, I'm not betting any head-to-heads. I'm not betting any group finishes. I have my three guys, Stenhouse, Elliott, Busher. I think you've kind of caught me into Almarello, so I'll add him. So those will be my four bets. Yep, and I'm going with, I've got Elliott, Almarello. I think you're going to talk me into Austin now because I didn't see that. And then the dark horse is uh, Eric Jones. All right, so that's who we're playing. Um, Brandon said he really likes Newman in terms of DFS. Honestly, guys, I'm not going to lie. I don't play DFS NASCAR at DraftKings at all. So I would probably, a, a, a low budget guy, I'm, I, I kind of like LaJoy this week as like an under the radar guy. I think he could, I think he could put together a good race. Absolutely. Um, I've been, I've, <laughs> I hate to even say it. Last year in Daytona this year, I've been winning over $70,000 in DraftKings with five laps to go, and it's it's been a wreck fest, and my guys get caught up in it, and I win $5. So what I've noticed over the years of playing DraftKings NASCAR every single week, you have to grab LaJoy. You have to grab Joey Gates. Like, you've got to grab guys that are just so bad that they're stuck in the back all race. And when that big wreck does happen, they make it through because they have time to literally come to a complete stop and let everybody wreck. Um, So my biggest thing in DraftKings this week, guys, 
take anybody that's starting in the back for low dollars. You definitely are going to want to put a Chase Elliott, a Kevin Harvick, somebody amongst those people, and Almirola. But you don't want to take somebody like Hamlin at 10,000 or Logano at 9,800 starting 1 2. Yeah, they're going to lead some laps, but there's not many laps at this track. So you get a point for every lap that's led, but there's not enough laps to be concerned in that category. Um, the, the position differential is what is going to win you money at Talladega and DraftKings. Exactly. And this isn't like a, um, a short track where you're going to be up in the front, it's hard to pass, and you'll get all those lap bonuses. With this type of track, there's going to be a lot of people leading different laps, so there's no point in taking both guys up in front. Take one, yeah, but you got to spread out and understand you want maximum ROI for those DFS points, and it's important to understand that um, you understand the scoring. And for a prime example, I led about 25 laps in my Road to Pro race on Thursday and ended up 27. So you're not leading laps is the category you want to pay the least amount of attention to this week. Now, you just mentioned you rode the pro. Why don't you tell everyone about your race this past Thursday? It was so depressing. So we had a great setup. Our team practiced for two weeks. We were locked in. We were fast. Um, We didn't play the fuel mileage card in practice, which I think cost us because after, during the first fuel run, me and my teammate Matt got to the front and we were running one, two for about five or six laps. And then we looked down and realized the amount of fuel we were burning that we were going to be two laps short at the end. So we kind of got off sequence. And then with about 18 to go, we realized we had pedaled the throttle enough to be good to go on fuel. And we look up ahead of us and they're three wide for about 10 rows. And if you guys watch Talladega, you, you can't make it four wide. There's just not enough room. So they were three, three by three by three, and we just were hoping for the big one, and we were going to be able to capitalize at that point and make a run because when we were running up front, nobody was able to get around us on the outside. We were just fast enough in front of the lines to be able to just lead the lines. But – uh once we saw that many lines stacked up three by three, we couldn't go anywhere, hope for a caution. A caution didn't come out. Um, so we finished 26th and 27th, which is very depressing. Uh, we only dropped out of 1,500 people. We only dropped from 108th to 144th. We've got four races left to get in the top 70, so that's still an option. But as you can tell, you finished 27th and dropped 33 spots. And if we would have got a top 10, we would have skyrocketed in the top 70. When is your next race? Not this Thursday at 9, but next Thursday at 9. And uh, what what track? Darlington. Nice, nice, nice. What, in terms of like, so this is your off week, in terms of preparing up to the race, what's your normal prep schedule, practice Uh, schedule? we We will have probably over the next 14 days, probably six to eight test sessions that will last anywhere from one to two hours. Um, Working on tire pressure, track bar, caster, camber, anything that you can imagine that goes into a real car. Because at this point, we can't sacrifice any more outside of the top 20 finishes. We really need to go into Darlington. We have Darlington, Charlotte, Martinsville, Dover for our final four. We've got to start rocking out some top 10s. to be able to get in that top 70 but other than that i will be i'll be on this afternoon running talladega 
and the Xfinity cars. If you guys want to tune in and watch, um, going to do some truck racing as well. But uh, besides the testing aspect, we'll uh, we'll just be running some different series with different cars. Now, maybe this is a naive question on my end. My end. When you guys do your test run, do you actually like break it down and be like, okay, we're at this lap X and we that we need this to happen. So do you practice a sequence or is it just pure racing? Not, not necessarily a sequence, but we'll get anywhere from three to eight of us in a lobby and we'll act like they dropped the green flag and we'll start turning laps because you can test by yourself and set a car up how you want it, but a car is going to act differently when somebody's behind you. When you're behind somebody, does the car push more into the corner due to the air? We really, what killed us is we, we always focus on tire wear. Hey, by lap 33, we are six tenths of a second slower than we were on lap 10. And we pay attention to the wear of the tires. We didn't focus on fuel strategy, which we didn't even think was going to be a concern at Talladega. And that ultimately came back to bite us. I wish you best of luck. My, I will have the link up on all my social media. Guys, make sure you are supporting Brandon and everything he's been a huge help he's coming out here week after week and giving out nothing but winners why don't you tell everyone where they can find you yeah off the post boston sports on instagram and facebook and uh for iRacing it's twitch dot or uh, twitch.tv forward slash boston boy 83 brando thanks for coming on and as always and uh hopefully we keep the streak going and we can cash some winners tomorrow my man all right thanks but good luck everybody Okay, so that's it for the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for today. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Like, subscribe, leave a, leave a comment. Thanks for Brandon for coming on. Always brings in some insight. Knowledgeable guy. Make sure you guys are supporting his iRacing and following him on Instagram at Off the Post Boston Sports. I will be back next Saturday talking NFL draft and then. After the NFL draft has concluded, I will have fantasy football wish list come on. Him and I will talk about fantasy football stuff. Got rookies in a good position, linemen that are going to elevate other people. And then I will have a post-draft recap where I'll talk about football-wise, whose draft I liked, whose draft I didn't like, players that slipped, players I thought were a stretch. Did pretty well with that last year. So I'm looking make sure you guys listen to that. It's a pretty knowledgeable thing. I'm pretty good at evaluating talent for the NFL level. Oh yeah, one really quick thing. Um went back to the bar for the first time in a while. Good to be out back in the battlefield. No numbers though. You know, the big guy. Need to get a little bit more into fighting shape before I go back on that battlefield. But it was a good time. I will talk to you guys next week. Be safe. Be well. Until then, my friends.